Second Chronicles is a is giving us the chronicles of the kings. And we read in Second Chronicles chapter thirteen of the king Abijah, who happens to be the son of Rehoboam, who was the bad king, uh, the son of Solomon, who was a good king. So now you have Abijah, whose grandfather is Solomon. And he is now faced with this challenge as we are often faced with in our lives. And in verse 5, he is basically giving a speech to the challenging army, to the oncoming army, and he's saying, Ought ye not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingdom over Israel to David forever, even to him and to his sons by a covenant of salt? I just wanted to zero in on that that little phrase, covenant of salt. And the reason why I want to zero in on that phrase is because of something that happened a little while ago. I was at the mall, and I was in a shop, and I just happened to uh, get to talking with uh, one of the uh, salesmen there. Uh, he was a Muslim. He is a Muslim. And I was uh, sharing with him the gospel. Uh, but uh, he um, he had no time for the gospel, Christianity, uh, the claims of Christianity. And as we talked some more, he basically said, I have a real problem with with." the Christian message. So basically, and this is what he was saying, basically you're saying that if somebody is a really bad person all their life and they've just been morally just reprehensible and you know, perhaps committed all kinds of uh, of wickedness and crimes and things, and then at the end, at his deathbed, he he turns and trusts in Jesus, and then all of a sudden he he's going to go to heaven. Uh, whereas if you had somebody that has lived a, a clean life, a good life, uh, morally upright uh, all his life, but he doesn't accept Jesus, um, that man is the one that goes to hell uh, in punishment forever. So he says it's just just it's insane. This there's there's no. How is that scales of justice? And he was unable to get around uh, the injustice of it all. And he was just um, he was just unable to accept that kind of a scenario. And to my shame, I didn't really have the best response to him at the time. I wish I did. Coming back home, you know, we didn't have a lot of time there. There were other customers around and so on. But coming home, I was just thinking, you know, I really needed to um, explain to him the concept of grace. That was what was missing in all of his thinking. And that's why I wanted to bring us to this little passage here, that little phrase at the end of verse 5, that... God gave the kingdom to David forever, even to him and to his sons, by what? By a covenant of salt. I just find that to be the most 
unusual little phrase, a covenant of salt. And just doing a little bit of uh, digging in that, when I read that, because it was such a puzzle to me, uh, I came across uh, the first occurrence of that was back in Exodus. I don't have all these references down, so I apologize for my uh, unpreparedness, but there's a passage in Exodus that talks about the covenant of salt and the fact that uh, the priests were commanded to, to put salt on the sacrifices. And there's significance in that. There is, a, there is a symbol there, there is a teaching there that salt, and we know this even naturally, salt has it is a cleansing agent. It is a cleansing agent. And so there is significance in the fact that we are, God has forever to him and to his sons given the kingdom by a covenant of salt. Salt is a cleansing agent, and it is typified there in the Old Testament sacrifice. But if you go on, there's another uh, unusual uh, occurrence of salt in the time of Elisha, if you remember. I believe this is in the Kings, Second Kings maybe. And this is when he came across the waters that were, um, that were bad. It, it, was, it was bitter. It was undrinkable. And Elisha, what does he do? He casts salt into the water. And it says in the passage that the waters were healed. That's the King James word, I think. The waters were healed. And so it has this healing quality, salt does. Then, of course, we read um, in the New Testament where we are meant to be the salt of the world. Uh, Jesus taught us that we are meant to be the salt of the world. And as we know, salt has, especially in a context like that, salt has a a preserving uh, quality about it. And so it's it's just a, I think it's a wonderful thing where the Lord uh, describes this covenant that he has with us as a covenant of salt. And the passage that, to me, uh, ties it all up with this idea of grace is Colossians 4, 6, where it says that, that let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. And so grace is the missing ingredient, if I can say it that way, in that man's thinking. He thought that his righteousness or all of his goodness, or all of that man's goodness in the case that he was citing, should have earned him something. And he had no factoring in of the concept of, of grace. It's the whole thing of the, of the prodigal son and, and then the, the older brother. The, it's exactly what that is. That whole parable makes sense than in, the, in light of this Muslim's thinking. The Muslim, that man at least, when I was thinking, when he was talking, he was having the mentality of the older brother. Look at what he has done. Why are you lavishing all this, in his mind, reward 
on this prodigal son, this wicked son who has spent all of all of your riches. He did not understand grace. And so his problem was he thought that he was earning, and he should have been earning, favor. It was a little bit like uh, Cain and Abel. Cain was so annoyed, to put it lightly, with Abel because Cain was bringing forward his best effort. You can just see him there with all of the, the sweat and the toil and, and bringing his absolute best. And that should have counted for something in his mind. And yet you have Abel. What did he do to, 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 to raise this lamb? He just basically took care of it and he didn't put the kind of sweat and toil into it like Cain did. And so Cain, when, when God received Abel's offering and rejected Cain's, he couldn't handle that, just like this man couldn't handle a, a, a gospel that seems so unjust in his mind. But friends, we are, this is not a human religion. We are operating under a covenant of salt. That's exactly what it is. And it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. It's a healing thing. It's a cleansing thing. It's a preserving thing. And it is essentially grace. It is grace. God has lavished grace upon us. And I wish I could have told him that we all are sinners. That man that you cited and also the, the quote-unquote righteous man that you cited, they're all equally sinful in the eyes of God. We have all come short of the glory of God. Now, he, he can't see that. He can't understand that. He, they won't see that. But even our righteousnesses, all the things that we think are good works, are as filthy rags. And that's the part that, that the carnal man just will not receive. But we are operating with our God under this covenant of salt, a covenant of grace. And that's, I want us to rejoice in that. I want us to really rejoice in the fact that we have a message that makes sense. The world wants to say it doesn't make sense. It's unjust, unjust. There's injustice in it. Doesn't The scales of justice don't balance, whatever. But it is a message of grace. And it's unmerited. We don't deserve it. A thief on the cross, even in the last few moments of his life, he received grace. Those that worked for wages, even the ones that were at the 11th hour, they received grace. They received the same reward uh, as those that carried the heat and the burden of the day. And carnal man, like I say, does not like that, does not receive it, but it is all of grace.